the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We were in Romans chapter 12, and we covered the first two verses. And we'll attempt to cover verses 3 through 8 today. And Paul is teaching these Roman Christians, as you look at the context of this scripture, he's teaching them how to live like a branch. That's basically what it's about. We can read these sentiments, and we read the scripture, and it talks about in John 15 about we being branches. But Paul is making it very clear, the Spirit of God through Paul is making it very clear how a branch functions. And remember that the people in Romans, these Christians, had not been Christians for a long time. They're primarily Gentile believers, and they don't know because they're in the city of Rome, which is absolutely corrupt, they really don't know what that looks like. They just know that they have a life within them that compels them and continually moves them towards Christ or towards the life of Christ or towards the expression of Christ. So they're experiencing things in their Christian walk that they're totally unfamiliar with. The thing we have in our society, which I'm not sure is an advantage, is that we know what a Christian life is supposed to look like. And we usually have templates around us, people we look at and we say, oh, that person's a really good Christian or that person's a, a really poor Christian. And we, we try to erect an image of ourselves that declares us as being Christian. Well, you know what? They didn't have that. What they had was what the Spirit of God was literally expressing through them. And that to them was the Christian life. And you know what? That's to be the Christian life for you as well. I think we hurt ourselves when we erect these images of what we believe the Christian life should look like apart from Scripture. When we put images in our heads or in our hearts that says, oh, if I were a better Christian, I'd look like this, or if I were a great Christian, I'd look like that. Listen, you are the unique expression of Him. No one on earth does Jesus like you do Jesus. So if you want to set up an image, you're going to distort what God has put in you. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. As I said, Paul is talking to them about what it's like to live as a branch. 
or how the new creation lives in a sin-cursed world among sinful men. I want you to see these verses as instructive. I want you to see Paul explaining the truth to them. Although he did this in a letter, I want you to see them with inquisitive hearts sitting before him, wondering, how does this work? Many of us have been Christians a long time, and we have been told how it works. But these people hadn't. And if you'll remember back, if you can remember back that far, it's a little difficult for me, but if you'll remember back once you received Christ, you were asking yourself and asking those around you, how does this function really is what you would say. How do I live? What does being a Christian look like? Well, the only thing I knew it looked like is that we wore suits on Sunday and we witnessed every chance we got and we carried our Bibles around, we read our Bibles, and, and we knew the stories of Jesus. But apart from that, I didn't know a whole lot about living the Christian life, did you? Starting out, there wasn't a lot to know because it was all wrapped up in what other people had done. Well, Paul is being instructive in this. And what he is saying is, We live the Christian life. We are affirmed in truth by faith through the power of the Spirit. How do we live and hope in the midst of sinful men in a sinful world? Through obedience, the obedience of living and walking after the Spirit. That's how we live it. Listen, we're often vexed, concerned, troubled, by the fact that we don't feel like we have enough affirmation of our spiritual being. But you know what? That's merely a problem of perspective. It's a problem of what you have been looking at and what you have defined in your mind as affirmation. Typically, many people define it as some kind of spectacular thing. But I want to tell you that when you wake up in the morning and the sun is shining, you've been affirmed in the truth of God. When you love on your, on your children or are loved on by your wife or loved on by a friend or a neighbor, that's affirmation. When you feel compelled to, to reach out and minister to somebody, that's affirmation. When you feel compelled to pray, that's affirmation. When you feel compelled to pick up the scripture and read it, that's affirmation. When you feel at home in the house of God, when you feel absolutely at home among the fellowship of believers, that's affirmation. When you are grieved by the way the world is acting and functioning, that's affirmation. When you are grieved by sin in your own life, that is affirmation. God has put a lot of things out there to affirm us in truth, but we have to believe and and grasp these things by faith. The first key to that is seeing yourself as a new creation, recognizing who you are in Christ, and then to begin by faith functioning in the truth of that. This is what Paul is talking about in the beginning of this, these verses in chapter 12. One verse, Galatians 5.16. Paul says, But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit. That means continuously. Responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh the human, of the human nature without God. Now the reason that verse is important is because he's telling you how to live the Christian life. How to be affirmed in who you are. See we grew up thinking that living the Christian life 
was us trying to be something that we really weren't. It was us trying to behave in the way that we really weren't capable of. Us literally putting before ourselves images of trying to be like this Christian or that Christian. But what he is telling us here is that you are to live habitually by, through the Spirit of God. Now, if you're a child of God, you have the Spirit of God in you. Not only do you have it in you, it is part of your union with Christ. What does that mean? That literally means that you have been created with and for and through the Spirit of God. So we're not talking about something that is imposed on you. We're not talking about something that God has to bring out of the air and create in you. We're talking about your very being. This is who you are. So when you see these instructive verses, understand this. This is not what God wants you to create in yourself. This is what God is asking you to live to as the truth of who you are. He's not creating truth in you. He is commanding, compelling, and in verse 12, 1, pleading, begging that you live in the truth of it. Let's look at that real quickly. Read along with me, verses 12, 1 through 8. Verse 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your body, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourself what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight. For by the grace, unmerited favor of God given to me, I warn everyone among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. For as in one physical body, we have many parts, organs, members, and all of these parts do not have the same function or use. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, the Messiah, and individually we are parts one of another, mutually dependent on one another, having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given us. Let us use them. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. He whose gift is practical service, let him give himself to serving, who teaches to his teaching, he who exhorts encourages to his exhortation, he who contributes, let him do so, do it in simplicity and liberality, he who gives aid and superintends with zeal and singleness of mind, he who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness. Well, you say, wow, that's a lot, but it begins in 12, 1 and, and 1 and 2, and we're going to we begin there because it's the context of all that we're looking at here. 
Paul reveals the father's heart towards his children as he begs and pleads with them that they would commit their physical being to their spiritual identity. That's what he's asking you to do. He's saying, quit seeing yourself according to the flesh. Start seeing yourself according to the spirit. And the way you do that is recognize that this body, this picture or image that you see in the mirror, is literally to be an instrument of the truth within you. Dedicate it and its members to the expression of the truth within. That's what he's calling us to do. He is not asking us to become something or act like something. He's not saying you need to behave in a certain way. He is saying choose to yield your body to the truth of your spirit so that you may live devoted or fully consumed as a sacrifice before the Lord. Now, this is the way God made you to live. He's not introducing something that would be foreign or contrary to the way you were made. He literally made you, who you are within, to live this way. And it is up to you to give this body in dedication to the expression of the life he's already put in you. Again, if you're a child of God, you're not becoming something. If you're a child of God, you're learning to express who you are. You're maturing in who you are. So he says, now look, it's got to start this way. You need to stop dividing yourself between spirit and flesh and saying the flesh is who I am, the spirit is who I want to be. You need to see yourself as a spirit with a body so that you express the truth of yourself through that body. Now, a lot of people are trying to create something from their flesh that is acceptable in their minds or in the minds of others. They create an image. Now, you know what? I see Christians get caught up in this. They get caught up in trying to fashion themselves after an image that that appeals to their flesh. Well, Paul addresses that in the second verse. In the second verse, he says, don't use this body to be conformed to the world. It is the way, of a, the way of a living sacrifice is not in conformity with this world. That makes it pretty, pretty plain, doesn't it? You are not made to be conformed. If you feel like, as a Christian, you don't fit in, guess what? Good for you. You weren't made to fit in. As far as this world is concerned, you weren't made to follow. You were made to lead in truth. Recognize the truth of it. The way of a living sacrifice is one that shapes its flesh around the truth of its spirit. We are not to be fashioned in the image of the world. We are living in earthly bodies, but those bodies are to be instruments of the spirit. Now that becomes real to us as we renew our minds with thoughts and attitudes of the spirit rather than the flesh and the world. That's a conscious decision that should be affirmed by outward obedience, which is what we're going to get to here in a minute. It's a conscious decision. That doesn't mean that you pray a prayer of dedication at the altar and you walk out of there waiting for the spirit to take control of your body. Again, you're living in duality when you believe that sort of thing. 
What it does mean is it means that you, up there, recognize before the Lord, in prayer, recognize before the Lord that you are a new creation and that the body is to be yielded to that new creation. That's a different way of thinking. That is renewing your mind with truth. That is renewing. Renewing is the same as repentance. What does repentance mean? It means to turn, to change your mind. When you renew, you're literally changing your mind back towards the truth. Now, we go out there in the world. We got radio, television, internet, you name it, it's out there. And we are constantly being renewed in our flesh. What the Spirit of God is saying through Paul is do not allow that to conform you to the world. Make it your decision, your choice to be conformed to the truth within you. Walk in that truth. Live out that truth. Now, here's the reality of it. If you live out that truth, if you express that truth, the Spirit of God, in John 15, Jesus tells you that those who are in him will express much fruit. Okay? They will express much fruit. He didn't say they'll express some fruit. Let me tell you something. If you are a branch, you are expressing fruit okay and you may be blind to it you may not be able to see it and you may not be able to enjoy it the abundant life you know what the abundant life is it's not something that god creates around you it is literally the abundance of his life flowing through you just like if you have a branch that's just absolutely overflowing with grapes You'd say, wow, look at the abundance of grapes on that branch. Well, that's what Jesus is saying to you. He said, I came that you might have life, branch, and that you might have it abundantly, the expression of that life. God has made you for the expression of his life. Now, the affirmation of who you are in Christ is in that obedient expression. Okay, what does that mean? That means that when I yield to the truth and renew my mind in the truth and live obedient to the truth, I am affirmed in who I am. As a man thinketh, that's a reality. We spend more time affirming ourselves in flesh than we do in truth. I'm not talking about putting yourself on some kind of regimen. You let the Spirit of God guide you. I'm not going to endorse some kind of legalism at this point. But what I am telling you is that it is a conscious choice. And I did a little tally in my mind the other day of how much time I spent renewing myself in who I am in the flesh versus who I am in the spirit. I got to tell you, it was way out of line, at least for that day. And it was because I was thinking about this verse. Whenever you begin to see the work of the spirit in your life, the first thing the enemy wants to do is attribute it to your flesh. That's a rule. He always does. And he'll do it in such a way that either one, you will be self-diminishing or another way, he'll do it in pride where you'll be self-aggrandizing. Either way, it's just as wrong and it's just as prideful. And the enemy comes along and God has given you a gift in music. And you say, well, you know, I know that I am not the best, but I'm certainly better than sister so-and-so over there. Or how about this one? I don't think I could ever be good enough to get up there in front of people and sing. Both of them are equally wrong. Why? What are you attributing the gift to? Where's the talent lie? You know what? 
But God calls you to sing. Or God calls you to teach. Or God calls you to pray. You don't have to spend a lot of time trying to figure out if it's God or not. You will feel something coming through you that doesn't look like your flesh. You'll see something coming through you that doesn't look like your flesh. And here's another thing, and I have felt this many times. When you begin to start to own it in your flesh, you'll feel grieved. You will. You know what? The minute you start telling people about how many people you've led to the Lord, you'll feel a sinking feeling right here. That is, if you've got the Spirit of God in you. Because what's going on with you is you're attributing your ability to win people to the Lord. Look how many people I led to the Lord. Now, that's just an example. Whenever the Spirit of God is expressing something through us and we take it on as an attribute of the flesh, here's the issue. We've got to maintain it. We've got to perfect it. We've got to exhibit it according in the right circumstances. And people darn well better appreciate it. Now that's the truth of it. Nothing will take blessing and turn it into cursing like attributing the work of God to the flesh. The flesh is cursed. So Paul anticipates this. He says, I know this is going to happen. So he brings in verse 3. Look at verse 3. For by the grace and merited favor of God given to me, I warn every one among you not to estimate and think of himself more highly than he ought, not to have an exaggerated opinion of his own importance, but to rate his ability with sober judgment according to the degree of faith apportioned by God to him. There is a danger that we will see ourselves according to the flesh rather than according to God's revelation. And you know what? This is usually evidenced by resentment and comparison. Whenever you see someone who's entered into resentment and comparison, they have taken the gift of God that they had one to begin with, and they've attributed to the flesh. Paul says, I warn everyone. That means from the least to the most. What's he saying? He says, this is the work of the enemy. He will take God's work and turn it into fleshly pride. He will seek to mimic and to duplicate the work of God so that the flesh can glory in it. The flesh immediately, like Pharaoh's magicians, begin to try to duplicate the miracle of God. And you know what? I've seen a lot of ministries have been impacted that way, where the person of the ministry begins to attribute it to his own personality, to his own teaching, to his own knowledge, and he totally shuts out the truth that God is the one that brings it. It's not based in talent. It's not based in knowledge. It's not even based in personality. It's based in him, him alone. And if it's not there, then go get yourself a talk show. Take it to the flesh. Again, remember that these passages are written to and for Christians. They're instructive on how we live out and experience the abundant life. And when you allow pride to creep in to your living, pride's very deceptive. It's not only, oh, well, putting your thumbs under your armpits and walking around bragging about what God has done through you. It's also an arrogance that believes that we don't have to renew our mind, that we don't have to, to worship, that we don't have to read the word of God, that we don't have to pray, that we don't have to practice the presence of God. We can just live it out the way it hits us. We just float with the tide. It's all good. That's pride. It's arrogance. And you know what? 
It's not so much in what you're doing or not doing. It's in the heart attitude that makes God second. When you go down that road, everything else will take priority over the things of God. Everything else will be a priority. It's a danger. Paul says, I warn everyone, no matter how much revelation you've been given, this is a danger. We need to remember that everything spiritual that is expressed through us is a product of our union with the Spirit, not the flesh. We receive as a branch receives. The fruit we bear is the glory of the vine. Paul says we are to rate our ability with sober judgment. That means we see ourselves as God sees us. We are to see ourselves in the light of grace by faith. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 7 says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humility who, although being essentially one with God and in form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant, a slave, in that he became like men and was born a human being. Listen, Jesus is given as an example of the attitude and the mind that we are to walk in. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you'd like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.